All right, dear brothers and sisters, let us begin our last time together. Let's begin with a prayer of Pope Leo XIII to St. Joseph. It's a wonderful prayer that Pope Leo wrote, and so important that the church recognize the role of St. Joseph in leading the church through the Immaculate Heart of Mary to the Sacred Heart of His Son. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll read the first half of this prayer and pray with you. To you, O blessed Joseph, we have recourse in our affliction, and having implored the help of your most holy spouse, we now, with hearts filled with confidence, earnestly beg you to take us also under your protection. By that charity with which you are united to the Immaculate Virgin, Mother of God, and by that fatherly love with which you cherished the child Jesus, we beseech you and we humbly pray that you will look down graciously upon that inheritance which Jesus Christ purchased by his blood and will help us in our need by your power and strength. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, a special thank you to St. Joseph Radio for initiating these conversation, these talks. To go to the depth of what St. Ignatius has to offer us today. Special thanks also to the parish of St. Gerard Magella, which has, I'm told, the best lighting and acoustics in St. Louis. So, God bless St. Gerard Magella. The parish, anyway. In our last reflection on what St. Ignatius has to offer, the practical import of St. Ignatius today, and I am so rejoicing to be a Jesuit, as you can tell. <laughs> I love having him as my father. He's such a fatherly figure, and he just points the way. When I first read his works, and I was reading Dominic, Francis, other giants, Benedict, I love all these people. When I would read Ignatius, it was like, holy crow, is he a father. <laughs> He's such a father to me. So he just gives me, it's the angle, huh? It's a, it's a special way, an angle at which he's following Jesus. And I think he's a particular light for our church today. Many great saints, we need many saints, we need variety, we need different angles of following Jesus, at which we see Jesus, always Jesus we're looking at. But Ignatius offers a particularly insightful angle. And tonight we are going to reflect on what it is to love with the very strength of God. And so keep in the back of your mind that you have the ability to love divinely. <laughs> you have the ability to love with divine love. That's amazing. When St. Ignatius wrote this book, right after his conversion, and he's beginning his conversion, the spiritual exercises, remember these are journal notes, he took at the cave of Manresa, which he thought would be a couple of weeks of humble prayer and penance, which became ten and a half months of many mystical graces. At the end of these spiritual exercises, given in large part by Our Lady to Ignatius, St. Ignatius offers a special contemplation for learning how to love as God loves. The contemplation to attain love. That is, God's way of loving. It's presupposed that we are already loved by God. You don't need to attain love like 
God doesn't love me. I need to get him to love me. Clearly not that. But I need to learn how to love as God loves. I need to be filled up with the love of God so that I can love with God's love, with divine love. How to do that? It's the most noble of human quests to learn how to love as God loves. We're meant to have divine love flowing into us, though we are mere creatures, through us and from us. Such a person, we could say, is a human being fully alive, fully alive in love with God. So we are offered in this contemplation of Ignatius two preliminary considerations before being drawn into the fire of love. The first is that love must be manifested in deeds. God shows us love in the concrete. He models what love is. It's manifested in deeds. There's a kenosis, a self-emptying, that describes the very heart of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father gives of his own precious Son. What an amazing Father we have to give what's most precious to him to us, to even experience the abandonment and the suffering that was meant for us, to pay the price. Sin has a price. If you ever doubt that, look at the crucifix. And the father offers his own son to pay the price. How hard that must have been for the father. And the Holy Spirit in this self-giving love. Secondly, St. Ignatius says, love gives and communicates to the beloved whatever one has or can have. So love consists in exchanging what one has. If I'm in love, my greatest joy is to share with you, my beloved, what I have what I found, what brings joy in my heart. Such persons are living within the heart of love. We see on our page the regular Ignatian preparatory prayer, ordering our prayer properly, as we reflected on in the principle and foundation to the praise, reverence, and service of God. This orders our prayer pierces the heart of God, and it gives a direction to our prayer so that we're, we move outside of ourselves. That's very important. Oftentimes I have to help the seminarians get outside of their own self. Sometimes they, they come into prayer and they're like, okay, what does this passage have to say to me? Mm. And they'll kind of sit there and like, I kind of know where this passage is going to go, uh, but let's see what part speaks to me. And they put themselves at the center. It's important in prayer to get outside of yourself. What is Jesus experiencing in this passage? What's going on in his heart? The sooner you can get outside of yourself, the better you are in your prayer. What's going on in God's heart now? How is God loving life into me? No matter what I'm feeling in the moment, God's loving life into me. And scripture is an invitation for me to lose myself in these gospel scenes. And then once I do that, paradoxically, they will speak to my current situation. Maybe I've been rejected by someone. Maybe I'm having some health issues. Maybe I'm, I'm feeling very buoyant about something. It'll speak to those things too. Maybe I have con- some concerns for a family member or whatever it be. I'm stressed about this or that.
So the prelude, or the warm-up to the prayer, is a realization of how much we stand before all the saints and angels interceding for us, how we are loved. St. Ignatius loved to do that in his prayer. Imagine himself, all the saints and angels gathered around the throne, giving us strength in our prayer to join their prayers. Or as Revelation says, it's like the, the power of incense, the smoke of incense, it's the prayer of the saints, and we insert our prayer within the prayer of the saints, and it gives them buoyancy. Father Anthony does not know how to pray as he ought. Right? And says this in Romans. But when I add my prayers to the prayers of the saints, wow, do they gain loft. <laughs> it's like a hot air balloon all of a sudden. Father Anthony's kind of moored down to this life, but by adding my prayers to the prayers of the saints and getting them to intercede with me, it's like snapping the moorings of my air balloon and boom, off we go. Already feeling lighter now, lifted up by love through their intercession. So we're heading towards, you know, becoming that fireball of love that we're called to be. A human being is one very much in love. Finding our true selves is this learning how to live in love. That's the joy of God, that we, when we are fully alive, which means fully in love. In the second prelude there, we ask for the grace to be overwhelmed by a deeply profound recognition of how much we've been loved by God and we are being loved right now. Letting yourself be overwhelmed, that's a, that's a Christian experience. Overwhelmed and amazed, super abundantly uh, taken over by the love of God. We're asking really for a reality check to see things as God sees them. Because you and I, we have the ability to take love for granted to let it wash over us, but also kind of like wash off of us, like water off a duck's back. God loves on Father Anthony so much, and how much does Father Anthony really absorb? How spongy am I? I need to be really spongy, okay? I need to receive the love of God, but sometimes I, it kind of washes off of me. I know I'll never get it all, but I'm called to be more and more absorbent of that love. That's what the Blessed Mother does with her open-handed approach to everything, right? She, she ponders all these things in her heart. She soaks up the love of God more and more, and then loves with the love of God. Love is meant to seep into us, to become one with us, to animate us, to light a fire within. So we're asking for the grace to be a sponge of God's love. A good measure flowing over, Jesus says superabundantly full of love. Mary is called full of grace. She's identified by her blessing. The angel Gabriel probably is amazed to see the first human being ever seen completely overflowing with grace. There's no space for gunk in her because she's so filled with the love of God that Satan can't get his poison in there. She's like an overflowing spring, just gently overflowing. And Satan comes along, tries to get poison in there, and it just flows off doesn't work. <laughs> Full of grace, huh? Overflowing with grace. He just sees God oozing out of her pores. <laughs> you and I are called to be full of grace. That's not unique to her. We're called to be more and more full of grace. And the more full of grace I am, that means the less full of gunk I am. That means there's less and less place for selfishness in Father Anthony. The more he becomes full of grace, full of God. Those are in proportion to one another.
Joseph learns from her how to do this, how to become more and more full of grace. He teaches us how to learn from his wife. She's the model human being we know with St. Joseph right next to her at the heart of the church. Our faculties of memory, understanding, and will are now put to use in the first point. So St. Ignatius invites us to call back into mind how blessed I've been even to be created is quite amazing. We spoke about that earlier. But then also to be redeemed, which is an even greater act of God's greatness. Covered in his mercy, buoyed up by his mercy, floating on the ocean of mercy. That describes you and me perfectly. By the grace of God. Huh? And so I should remember, he says, many of my particular gifts, unique gifts given me. That's quite overwhelming, really. Ask the Lord, if you struggle to know your gifts, you should be able to give me, if I asked you, if I asked you for 10 of your gifts, you should be able to give me 10 gifts within a minute. That's one every six seconds. If you can't do that, you don't know yourself. That's the first step of the spiritual life is knowing yourself, followed by knowing Christ and then becoming like Christ, acting like Christ, loving like Christ. This reflection tonight is on the third point. Huh? But I need to know my giftedness. If I don't, I struggle. I could give you 10 of my faults, Father Anthony. <laughs> I'm sorry that doesn't do. You have to be able to give me 10. You have a lot more than 10 gifts. But ask the Lord how he sees you. What are your gifts if you struggle with that? Allow yourself to be overwhelmed, St. Ignatius says. Then use your understanding to mull over these gifts with deep affection, perhaps to the point of tears allowing myself to be caught up in wonder at how much God has loved me to this point. We said that Aquinas speaks about humility, leads to gratitude, leads to wonder, leads to contemplation and deep union with our Lord. So we're called to deep wonder here. Huh? How blessed I am. I'm ridiculously blessed. Why does God love me so much? Why does he love you so much? I don't know. But he does. And that's all that matters. He loves you a ridiculous amount. I don't know why he does. But he does. He must be God and he must be love. To love you that much, never to give up on you. Huh? Wow. So St. Ignatius is really giving us here a primer of how to fall in love. I need to bask in love first. I need to soak it up. And then I'll know how to fall in love because I'll be so loved. Be filled with the love. It'll be an easy movement to love in response. He says the primary virtue of a retreatant, this is at the beginning of the spiritual exercises, is magnanimity, which means a large soul. Magnanimity. So I'm filled with the love of... I'm, I have my pores open to be filled with the love of God. And the more filled I am... It leads to the second movement, which is generosity. I want to respond in generosity. This is a generosity of being filled with the love of God, not a generosity of a busy Father Anthony who says yes to every request that comes his way. He's a very generous priest. He's a busy, busy guy. <laughs> that's a generosity that's, that's like a, a driven generosity, huh? I need to say yes to everybody. I have to do more and more, huh? Just do more. Work harder. Uh, that's not the generosity of God. This is, it has to be an inspired generosity. 
where it flows smoothly. It's received first and then passes through me. And it's a, it's a calm generosity. I serve you, I wash your feet in calmness, not in haste, not in worry, not in uh, moving on from one person to the next. Hyper-availability is not your ultimate virtue. <laughs> now my will is to get involved, says St. Ignatius, to help me make this complete response to the Lord. Filled with the love of God himself, great desires swell in my heart to reciprocate that love. I want to be surrendered completely to him. I want to respond in love, both in words and in deeds. I want to give myself in love. I want to surrender back to God everything that he has given me. I want to enter that Trinitarian exchange of love, total self-gift. As I receive this gift, I'm being drawn into this, into the Trinity. And surrender, dear brothers and sisters, is the highest form of freedom that we ever experience in this life when freely chosen. I choose to surrender. I choose to enter into this dynamic of love. Surrendering everything over to God is the most noble act of humankind. Think of Maximilian Kolbe. Hmm? Maximilian Kolbe, who's standing in line with all these men at the concentration camp, Auschwitz, and this man gets chosen to go to the death chambers, and he stands up, he steps forward, which made him worthy of being shot on the spot for stepping out of line. And the commander, who are you? And he says, I am a Catholic priest. Isn't that interesting? He identifies himself with his mission. He says, may I take the spot of this man who has a family because the man was weeping. Some of us have met that man that he saved. And the commander taken aback Okay, I'll take you instead, you know. Takes the priest instead and sends him to the starvation bunker. And he dies singing, leading the other prisoners in song. With love in his eyes that the guards could not handle the way he looked at them in love. Filled with love himself. We're made to give of ourselves this is stamped into our bodies. We're made to be gift. And we're meant to receive others as a gift from God, as I give myself in gift. We spoke last night about how our eyes are the window of the soul. And so I'm given to you. I don't see my face. I only see a reverse reflection in a mirror. And you give of yourself. You've never seen your face. You've never seen your eyes as any one of us can see your eyes. We're made to be self-gift. You're made for others, so am I. We're continually being recreated by God to enter into this dynamic of gift. The logic of the gift, St. John Paul II calls it, huh? the hermeneutic of the gift. So psychology, dear brothers and sisters, should lead to spirituality. So psychology, proper self-affirmation, proper self-possession, uh, if you will, to be possessed of oneself, is not the end goal. You can't stop at psychology. 
Psychology has to lead towards spirituality, which is self-gift. So I can't give what I don't have, and so I, I need to know who I am, huh? And if there's a way in which my wound is pouring out so much of my lifeblood, I need to get some help with that. I'm so wounded by this experience. I need to, what's going on inside of me? I need to learn what's going on. I need to find healthy ways of adapting to this and, and work with this so I can be self-possessed so that I can give of myself and enter into this, this hermeneutic of the gift. Psychology properly leading to spirituality. If I'm living within the law of the gift, as JP2 calls it, I'm finding myself for the first time. I receive myself as a gift. I give myself as gift. That means I'm in love. I'm in love. And so St. Ignatius makes a prayer of this, that I have, I experience no greater desire than generosity, than to surrender everything back to God. I want to give him all my liberty. We see at the top of that second column, the Sumit Sushupe prayer. Take, Lord, receive. Take and receive. Huh? I want to offer him all my liberty so that everything I do would be inspired by God's free law of love. I want to offer him my memory. I want him to purify my faults of the past and the faults of others so that when I think back, I think back in gratitude for what God has done. And the saints, even when they think of their past sins, they don't lament them like sometimes you and I do. They are amazed they didn't fall into further sin. <laughs> There's no subtle pride in a saint. They're amazed they haven't fallen into deeper sin than the sins they did commit. My memory, I want my understanding, my way of mulling things over to be purified and to be godly. No longer kind of a prideful self-exaltation, trying to figure things out. Everything's a problem for me. I'm trying to get around the backside of it. I want to figure this out. Why is there this in the world? Why is there suffering in the world? Huh? Why are you this way? Huh? And I try to get around the backside, approaching you as a problem instead of a mystery. Approaching something in my life as a problem. Huh? My understanding, no, I want my understanding to mull over the things of God like Mary and Joseph did. To appreciate, to savor more and more of that fruit. And to be okay never getting all the way around it. <laughs> a mystery is like the ocean. We've never seen, man has never seen 90% of the ocean. We've seen 10% of the ocean. We've seen all of the surface. But even with rovers, once you get down a ways, uh, we've not seen the vast majority of the ocean. The ocean remains a huge mystery. We know such, uh, just a part of it. My will. I want my will to be for God. I surrender my will so that he'll purify it and give it back to me purified. And I will make choices for God's glory. Instead of any form of selfishness of whatever sort, huh? Using my will to, to lift up others, to ennoble them, to spread the kingdom of God, to share my faith. And when you surrender these, these faculties to God and receive them back anew, you experience this freedom. All these faculties 
work towards the praise, reverence, and service of God. And I find myself in this dynamic. You see, St. Ignatius, being a lover, is drawing us into this dynamic of love. How can I better love you, Lord? How can I better love you? That's, what, that's the question of a lover. We're grateful for tomorrow when we wake up tomorrow because it's an occasion to love. One Jesuit I knew back when, God rest his soul, in Mobile, he would start every day by saying, he was my spiritual director, um, what are we going to do today, Jesus? <laughs> Everything he did on his calendar was, you know, you could look at his calendar and be like, ah, here's what we're going to do, Jesus. It was a we, not like, oh boy, let's see, I got to be up by then, I need to go there by 10 and there by 11. Um, there were, it was, everything was a we. That's the, that's the logic of a lover. What are we going to do today, Jesus? I bring joy to God's heart when I lose myself in his heart and I seek his kingdom. All the rest, Jesus says, will be given me besides. When I'm seeking his kingdom, what would please your heart, Jesus? This is an antidote to the world of today. Our world, we know, that seeps into you and me too, seeks what it wishes, what each person thinks will bring about their fulfillment. And we almost encourage people to do whatever you think will be fulfilling for you. Before, instead of proposing that, let God come first, ponder these things first. Let God choose, let God show you the deeper desire he has for you. And thus choose what God has chosen for you. The greater form of service, the mayor. Our goal is to listen. To listen to the deeper desires of Jesus' heart. But you have to be a good listener to hear the deeper desires between two desires of Jesus' heart, which are the deeper ones. And to ponder those when you have a sense of one, like it'll stay with you over time. There'll be a resonance. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, there's a resonance. Okay? That's a sign that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Like a you have to you have to get off of the being bounced about up on the waves. You need to be like a submarine getting down underwater. Things get really still and quiet, and a sonar ping will shudder the hole of a of a submarine. And that's, that's a sign of resonance. There's something that resounds with me. And it'll stay with me over time. So St. Ignatius says you'll have that confirmed over time too, this resonant experience. Mary offers her fiat to all the things that come to her. It's not just the angel Gabriel at one moment in her life. There's so many occasions for her to offer her fiat. So our prayer is this listening and emptying and giving a space for the Lord to speak resonantly within me. A kenosis, opening up deep spaces within me to allow the shafts of love to be set there, which invite a surrendering response, a response of generosity. Ignatius knows that God is a choosing God. So see, that's one of the unique things about Ignatius is that God is always active. Whenever he 
gives stories of the Gospels. He's, it's a very active Jesus. He's actively moving from place to place. So he chooses people for a particular task. And thus, to be chosen implies a certain indifference, like I'm ready to move. If Jesus chooses me, I go. I'm poised, I'm indifferent, holy indifference huh? is the hallmark of love. It's the, it's the keystone of love, that I'm, I'm able to move however God moves me. If he moves me from this town to the next town, so be it. That's, that's the hallmark of love. It's the heart of love, indifference, holy indifference. To be ready to respond with active receptivity to whatever God proposes to me. When I was at my first initial stages of formation in Rome at the Casa Balthazar, I I'd had so many square edges. I thought I was a pretty good Catholic guy, and I wouldn't say I was a bad Catholic guy now, but I just didn't realize how many rough edges I had. <laughs> and when those edges started being broken off in kind of a rock tumbler, I didn't enjoy it. Uh, but I realized just how attached I was to my way of doing things. Because my way is a little better, just so you know. <laughs> it's a little more effective. I'm sure it'll get us to the end point faster. I have a little bit of an engineering brain, too, so I kind of figure things out. I'm good with spatial things fitting in. I go, just let me do it, okay? You know. And so all these ways of being a little controlling, uh, they came out. <laughs> and they were curbed. And I didn't like it. Huh? I was also trying to get God to reveal himself. I'm like, Lord, I'm here, like discerning. This is serious stuff. Why are you not speaking to me? What am I lacking? Huh? Ah. And it felt like he was being silent. So all these other securities were starting to erode away. And then I entered into an eight-day retreat in that second year going through the spiritual exercises, and starting to let go of all those false securities I had uh, and was struggling to hold on to while also trying to do God's will. <laughs> I was kind of moored down, if you will. And the Lord, by his grace, started, started severing those ties of my hot air balloon, if you want an image with it, huh? And then filling me with his love and the warmth of his love. And I began to be quite amazed at the Lord's love. It was quite overwhelming. It's got to get very personal, the Lord's love for you. And as you allow that love to fill your heart, soul, mind, and body, it becomes a question of, what is the way I can better love you back? I could love you in this way, I could love you in this way, or this way. What would please your heart more? That's what a lover asks. And as soon as I asked that question for the first time in my life, it became very evident as a religious and as a Jesuit and eventually a priest also. And to this day, that hasn't been a question in my life. Whenever I go back to that prayer, it's very evident the Lord has given me this long-term call to surrender my life in this particular way. On a side note, 
I don't know how you could ever say, I just want to be a saint. Now, you can't go to heaven unless you're a saint, unless you're purified. But the eye always wants to impose itself and place itself in the center. I'm going to tell you a story. We had a German philosopher, brilliant German philosopher, his name is Ferdinand Ulrich, U-L-R-I-C-H, one of the greatest philosophers of this of these times. He died just a couple years ago. And he would come and give courses at the Casa Baltazar, and he would speak about philosophy and the being as a gift, and he would, in his broken Italian, and, and share with us how all of this led towards theology, proper theolo- philosophy leading towards theology. He was a philosopher, a great philosopher. And anyway, I got a one-on-one meeting with Dr. Ulrich. I was pretty excited about that. He was a holy man. You know how some people's faces, you can kind of see into their soul a little bit? Their eyes just tell you a lot about them. He had big, bulbous blue eyes, <laughs> big face. He was a lovely man. So anyway, I get a one-on-one with Dr. Ulrich. I'm very excited about this. And he asked me a question towards the beginning about, what are you looking for, Anthony? And I told him, I said, I want to be a saint. And he looked at me quizzically and he said, you don't want to be a saint. And I said, yes, I do. He said, you don't want to be a saint. And I said, you can't go to heaven if you're not a saint. I want to be a saint. He's like, you don't want to be a saint. And I was so confused. And I'm like, you can't tell me what I want. (laughs) Inside I'm thinking this. I'm frustrated with him. Why is he giving me this pushback? And so we talked, thankfully, the conversation changed to a few other things, which I don't even remember. And I left the room afterwards. My time, I was discombobulated. But I began thinking about this and praying over it. And then it hit me. He was so insightful. When I was saying, I want to be a saint, the I was at the center. If I had said to Dr. Ulrich, I just want to do whatever pleases Jesus' heart, he would have said, oh, you want to be a saint. (laughs) If I would have been other center ecstatic, if I would have made my center in the desires of Jesus' heart, and whatever would please his heart, he would have seen it. But a saint will never recognize herself as such, or himself. It's a beautiful instance of the eye We always need that Copernican revolution. It's so easy to put the eye back at the center. And that even in my spirituality, I'm a little comparative with you and your spirituality. Silliness, huh? God has a unique path for me. I lift you up, I support you. But as St. Ignatius says in one of the causes of desolation, I build my nest in the things of another. Don't get caught up in someone else's stuff. So the prayer of Ignatius here, this total self-gift, memory, understanding, will, imagination too, I would say, is the effect of someone who's experienced the Copernican Revolution. He was quite a selfish, self-oriented guy. He said up to the age of 26 in his autobiography, he was given over to the vanities of the world. He was going to make a dent in the world. He was going to win the ladies. In fact, when he was in recovery, he could go on for hours, he said, thinking about how he was going to win the hand of a certain lady. But when he dismissed those thoughts, they left him dry and dissatisfied. 
when he thought about imitating Francis and Dominic, and they left him cheerful and consoled, he realized that difference, huh? By the fruits you will know them, that these thoughts were inspired by the good spirit, these by the evil spirit. You can tell a tree by its fruits. My dad taught me that the difference between a hawk and an eagle, the eagle's wings go out and then they go up at the end. So you want to fly with the eagles, with the good inspirations of the Holy Spirit. So each point of this prayer builds upon this opening of self to the divine love of God, allowing wonder and amazement to rise up within me respond in complete self-gift. It's the fulfillment of the principle and foundation, which was the beginning of the exercises. Now we have the contemplation to attain God's way of loving at the end. It's the fulfillment. God holds all in existence, he tells us in the second point now, without which the law of entropy would take over. We talked about that last night. The chances of this world holding together like this are infinitesimally small. One to the tenth to the 123 zeros on top of that for it to hold together so well. True science points to God. There must be a reason giver for the reasons of science. Father Spitzer and the Magis Institute, I think Father Spitzer is the smartest Jesuit today. <laughs> and he's amazing. If you listen to any of his podcasts and whatnot. And he brings science, he shows how science in so many ways, points towards a notion of God, understanding God. So God's sustaining us right now. We're in a perfect elliptical orbit around the sun, which is 91 million miles away, and we're cruising at 67,000 miles an hour without even wind-blown hair. Isn't that amazing? God's holding this all together so carefully creating everything for our enjoyment and praise of him. The third point. The divine shafts of love are continually being sent from above. De arriva. From above. That phrase he loves so much. God is gift, canonic gift, self-dimpting. And anyone living within God, within the image of God, that is the Son of God, has no greater joy than to empty herself or himself in return. On a daily basis, practically, this is a beautiful prayer I invite you to pray. On a daily basis, how do you soak up the love of God more profoundly? What's the greatest way to grow in love? I propose to you one more handout, one more prayer, which is called the examine prayer. And so the examine prayer is a prayer of Ignatius that helps us to grow in grace every day, huh? and to savor the goodness of God and what God is doing in our lives. The examine. This is not the examination of conscience, which is appropriate when I'm getting ready for confession. Like, what are my faults? Where have I put blockage between myself and God and between myself and others? That's appropriate. This is an examine prayer, focusing on how God has been present in my life. And I propose to you that you take two or three of the most salient graces received in the last 24 hours. We Jesuits do this prayer twice a day because it's the key to spiritual growth. But at least once a day, you get to choose the time. Maybe it's in the morning, looking back at your last 24 hours. Maybe it's in the evening, looking back at your day. 
Take two or three of those most salient graces and deepen them, ponder them, like Mary. Mary ruminates these things, huh? meditates on them, goes deeper with them. Let yourself be overwhelmed with gratitude for the blessing of what happened this day. There's been many blessings for you in the last 24 hours. But choose two or three that come to mind. And then ponder them deeply. This moves my affections profoundly as I realize once again how ridiculously loved I am by the Lord. The examine is so helpful. It breaks me open again to reality of how much I'm loved today, right now, here and now. Yahweh, I am who am, who's been loving me in the present and will continue to love me in in the present. Receiving that love of God, living in the basking in that shower of his divine love allows me to find myself and to enter into that dynamic of loving back. And when I recognize areas of blockage, which is part of the examine, ways in which God was present to me, so maybe God loved on me today through you in a conversation, something you said that spoke deeply to me, maybe through nature to me, maybe through me to you, and I felt God's love powerfully in that conversation or something that happened between us. But there will also be places where I went back to old tapes, my old way of thinking. I was a little defensive. or I missed an opportunity of love. And so I asked the Lord to remove those obstacles so that next time I won't put blockage there to receive that love coming through you, through nature, or through me to you. Maybe I was a little curt in my response to you. Asking the Lord, give me the grace to love on these people around me, huh? And in typical Ignatian family uh, fashion, he asks us to ponder how we are going to act differently within the next 24 hours. Asking the Holy Spirit now, to keep us open to God's gracious inspirations, that I may live more fully and completely my gratitude to our Lord and Savior. Now this pleases the heart of God, basking in his love. This is what makes saints. And it's a wonderful preparation for that one day where you you and I too can cast down our crowns and cry out, holy, holy, holy. Lord God of hosts. Overwhelmed with the love of God and living in that love. This attitude of gratitude that St. Ignatius speaks of is important in our day for many reasons. One is it counteracts entitlement. The opposite of I am ridiculously loved and I want to love back is entitlement. What's, I put myself at the center in entitlement. What am I entitled to? Well, I've been working hard. I'm entitled to scrolling through videos tonight. Thank you very much. Um, as long as I want to, thank you very much. Uh, there's just various ways in which entitlement slips into us. I'm not saying we're bad people, but the attitude of gratitude will definitely counteract entitlement because I'm filled with gratitude. And because I'm filled, I'm not trying to 
fill a gap inside of me. And filled with the love of God, I can love with God's love. So when Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, remember that whole passage is all about mercy, loving and mercy, surrendering somebody else to the Lord's cleansing work, letting God change that person, not worrying about them anymore, surrendering them. A grandfather came to White House recently, um, and he told me a story about his grandchild. And I said, great, I love stories, so tell me about your grandchild. Well, she's a kindergartner, okay. And my daughter taught her the St. Anthony prayer. Tony, Tony, come around, something's lost that can't be found. All right? He thought St. Anthony of Padua was my patron saint. It's not actually, it's St. Anthony of Egypt. But be that as it may, I wanted to hear the story. And he said, uh, so one, he said, one day my granddaughter came home, and she, she was very distraught from her day at kindergarten. And she said, Mommy, can we pray the St. Anthony prayer? And my daughter said, sure, honey, what's wrong? And she said, Billy was really mean to me on the playground. He lost his good side, and we need to help him find it. <laughs> That's a very sweet story, true story. Except I added the name of Billy. I don't know what the boy's name was, so I hope your name is not Billy. Um, but that little girl got something, that Billy did have a good side, and we need to help him find it. Everybody has a good side. Anybody in politics you don't like, we need to help them find their good side. Remember Ephesians 6.12 we talked about last night? It's principalities and powers behind them that are getting them off track. We need to help people find their good side. Everybody is made and never loses. They're being made in the image of God. Yes, they may be a coin, Jesus says, that's stamped properly, but lost and covered in dust. And the woman sweeps the house until she finds it huh? and cleanses it off. Image of God doing that for us and restoring us to our likeness. When living in love like this, in gratitude like Mary, I'm open to ever greater blessings. You see, the more I'm filled with love, the more God expands my heart. It's like I'm pregnant, okay? We all are supposed to become pregnant in love, males and females. Like it's an expanding experience, huh? of being able to, my body like conforms to this, this growing life within me. And so Mary receives more and is able to uh, love more and more. And so for you and I, I'm open to God's greater plans, huh? greater blessings. And when you're filled with the love of God, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are evident in order, charity, I, I can love you with the love of God. That's what our kids and our spouses and neighbors need most. Charity, joy, a deep down joy that will attract people. I may have suffering in my life. I may have a lot of suffering in my life, but there's a deep down joy in me. Peace, a peace that passes understanding. A peace that passes understanding, deep peace. And then the last six, you can think of a package of figs, PKG and FGS, okay? Package P is in patience, have godly patience, kindness, generosity, and faithfulness. The figs are faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know if you like acronyms, but I do. So those are all signs that the Holy Spirit's working in me, hmm? and I'm being more and more expansive.
With that love, too, I can point others who are experiencing woundedness to the intimacy of Christ. You see, Christ suffers with his body. Christ is the head, and he's united to the body. So there's something about Christ still suffering this day. He suffers with us when there's death, when there's pain, when there's woundedness. Huh? He weeps with us more than we know because he's united to the body. Yes, the, Christ, the head is passed through the birth canal. Yay! We know what birth is like, right? And the body still hasn't, though. We're still going through the travails of this life. And the head, insofar as it's still united to the body, experiences suffering. Jesus suffers more than we know. Sometimes we make God into kind of someone smug, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're up in heaven, and all th- all's good for them, and they're like, hey, it's going to be okay, don't worry. It's like, where do we get this stuff? Huh? Now, Jesus suffers with us. Just when I feel like I'm all alone in the bottom of a pit, if I would turn sideways and accustom my, my eyes to the darkness, I would see Jesus with me in the pit. Psalm 88. I thought I was alone. I was scratching for the daylight. And I needed to see him, wait to be able to see him, and he's going to show me the way out. Jesus... Jesus wants to, maybe there's a shaft, a dagger in my heart. Maybe I placed it there. Maybe there's a wound. Maybe there's a curse from my background that I picked up from a parent or someone like that or authority figure. Jesus wants to take that shaft, that dagger out, huh? And he wants to fill it with his light, but I would say even his flesh. And when you receive communion, invite the very flesh of God, his resurrected flesh, to knit with your heart and that wounded part, that hole in your heart, Let his flesh cover that over. It's going to knit with your human heart and become one. It's going to cover that that part of your heart. In fact, it's going to be the most glorious thing about you one day. Incidentally, in the the miracle of Lanciano, I'll be taking a group to Italy in June. Um, You're welcome to join. But um, one of the miracles there is that the, the physical flesh of Jesus, it's cardiac flesh, AB blood type, etc., is united perfectly with the accidents of the bread. Okay, so that when the priest consecrates, we know that the substance, uh, the what it is, is changes into the body of Christ. The accidents exterior still look like bread and taste like bread. So in Lanciano, you have some of the accidents still looking and tasting, and then some pure flesh which has been scientifically analyzed. But those are perfectly knitted together, which is kind of interesting. That's impossible. You can't get raw flesh to knit with bread, no matter how hard you try, unless you're God. Little side note, but interesting, huh? But God wants to let his flesh, like, cover over and fill that, that, that wound in my heart and that, that, that shameful place, perhaps it is, or place of abandonment, or rejection, or fear, or hopelessness, or powerlessness, or confusion. By doing so, we're really placing our wounds within Jesus's, huh? letting Jesus meet us in our wounds, letting him go to that lowest spot and have an encounter there. St. Ignatius is such a gift for our church. He shows us a way forward. He reminds us how we're created constantly in the image. It's a very dynamic notion of creation. 
We have a purpose in that creation. Jesus shows us how. He enters into this salvific act and invites us into it also. He shows us how to overcome Satan and the stratagems of Satan and how to live more intimately with him. And he invites us to enter into love, to fall in love, to stay in love. That will make all the difference. It was a Jesuit provincial of the East who coined that phrase originally, not Pedro Arupe, but, but this Jesuit provincial was very inspired, saying, fall in love, stay in love, and it will make all the difference. May you and I follow the example of St. Ignatius, a great lover who is present in heaven, is interceding for us now. Let us enter into prayer. In the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Ignatius, who gave your life for Christ, experienced such a powerful conversion, who turned over everything generously to the Lord. We ask that through your intercession we may be magnanimous, more open-souled, more whole-souled than ever before, open to receive the profound cleansing, healing love of God, and to be brought into deep intimacy with the Lord, and to live in maturity, full Christian maturity, living in love, embracing love, being filled ever more with love, and to love others into that same relationship with Christ, the fullness of the Godhead revealed to us. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your insights. Thank you for saying yes to your own conversion so that we might say yes to ours. Bless all those who are pondering these truths. Allow them to be sunken shafts of depth and light within our souls. To know ourselves in God, to know ourselves objectively as beautiful, beloved, blessed children of God. All you angels and saints, especially the Blessed Mother, you, O Blessed Mother, and you, Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Two minutes for questions, if you'd like. Yes. Okay, good, good question. So uh, she spoke about how we're all called to do acts of service for others. Many parishes have a giving tree experience. How do, you, how do you love people you may not even see if you're cooking meals for them? And then how do you um, incorporate that into the love of God and that call? I propose to you that, well, I don't propose to you, I'm going to tell you. Matthew 25 is uh, the, uh, it has to be read with Matthew 26. So Matthew 25 is the last judgment scene. How will you be judged? By how you treat the poor, the imprisoned, the hungry, right? But Matthew 26 speaks about the total surrender uh, to God when Jesus says, the poor you'll always have with you, you will not always have me. Huh? So Matthew 26, the woman who surrenders what's most precious to, precious to her for God's sake, you have to always hold those in a balance. Don't ever skimp on what's owed God for your brothers and sisters. We are, we're called to love God with our whole, whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, Matthew 26. 
and to love our neighbor as ourselves, Matthew 25. And so to incorporate those, I need to be doing that cooking of, for people I won't even meet with, for the love of God that I'm doing that. Not because I should or I'll feel better about myself. We need to go deeper than that. I'm doing this, I'm feeling inspired by the love of God to do this for them, even though I won't see them. So I'm cooking with the love of God, which is a grace for anybody who eats uh, a meal cooked in love. I'm always game. Um, so so it's, it's, integrating, it's integrating my actions towards you, my foot washing for the love of God. Uh, so that, that's important to join those two together. Very good, dear brothers and sisters. Thank you for your commitment to come out. Thank you for your deep listening. I pray these, these uh, insights of Ignatius will be meaningful to you too. Uh, there are so many canonized saints who attribute their conversion directly to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. Uh, hundreds of saints who do so, and I hope you will join the team. Amen. Thank you all. Maybe I'll give you a blessing, too, from the book of Hebrews. Or maybe I'll give you the traditional blessing of Moses and Aaron. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Thank you, St. Joseph Radio and St. Gerard Magella Parish.